All right, what is up, Crypt Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 Podcast. And today's show is sponsored by Gods Unchained, the digital card game that offers true ownership to players. So, so gamers, listen up here. Uh, cards are minted on Ethereum, uh, meaning users can trade, sell, and program their assets however they like. And actually, a new expansion set just got released with limited edition cards and ERC-20 chests available for sale. And if you miss out, you can hunt down these or other previously sold out chests on third-party sites like Uniswap. Uh, this game is the real deal, guys. It's helmed by uh, experienced TCG legend Chris Clay uh, of Magic the Gathering. Uh, so, guys... It is fun, it is engaging, it is competitive, and it has more NFTs, or non-fungible tokens, right, than any other Ethereum game on the market. So you could support the channel, and you could try the game out for free, just click the link in the show notes. Right, all you good, wonderful citizens of Crypt Nation. I hope everyone a delightful morning, noon, or night. Uh, as we say here at Crypto 101 Podcast, wherever you are in the world, right now you're in the right place because you're tuning in uh, to get some crypto education, uh, to learn a lot. And, and, you know, a lot of you guys are probably listening to this. You guys are locked down, uh, quarantined. You know, 20 something states are quarantined and we got a lot of international listeners here. So we just want to send out a lot of uh, good vibes, a lot of love um, and let you know that we're all in this together. Uh, we're all going to make it through um, and we're going to bring you guys, uh, you know, every day, just some great content. So, Aaron, uh, you know, I haven't seen you in a little bit, man, since we're trying to, you know, self quarantine ourselves. How are you holding up? Uh, you know, I'm doing the best I can, uh, given all the you know, everything that's going on, lots of anxiety and uncertainty, but I think there's going to be a lot of silver linings to this. You know, we're really having a chance to do some introspection and reflection on our lives that uh, normally wouldn't happen because we're so busy doing everything. And I think one of the things that I'm predicting is going to come out of this is we're going to feel a lot closer together. We're going to appreciate the times we have together more when we do get to be around people and our friends and our families, and we're going to have to rely on each other. It's just yeah. a fact, you know, Could we're going to have more, we're going to have to rely on each other. And speaking of people you can rely on, that brings us to uh, our guest today because we can't just do it all by ourselves. And that's where uh custodian uh, in crypto comes into the picture. So we have with us today, Kinsey Cronin, the head of biz dev over at prime trust, Kinsey, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me, guys. What were you doing before you got into crypto and what brought you into this industry? Well, um, before I was uh, in crypto, I was working in equity crowdfunding. So I worked for a company called Start Engine that was formed because of the Jobs Act, basically in reaction to the Jobs Act, which is similar to Prime Trust. And Prime Trust was providing all the escrow services for Start Engine. And what we were doing was helping companies raise capital uh, for their businesses um, on the internet. So um, not terribly different from what we or what your listeners might know um, as an ICO, except completely different because it was entirely sort of uh, invented and, and regulated by the, the government. Interesting. And the Jobs Act was one of those uh, acts, you know, for those of you guys that are listening might not have heard of it. It was introduced 
um, by the Obama administration uh, in order to kind of get unaccredited investors, you know, equal or, or at least semi-equal investment opportunities as those of, you know, the upper class. So I'm a big fan of the Jobs Act. And, uh, you know, I've actually, I, I've definitely heard of Start Engine. Um, really a big fan of all the stuff that you guys did over there too. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because both the Jobs Act and Bitcoin were sort of uh, born out of the last recession that we were in. And so in 2008 is when the Jobs Act sort of started being discussed. Um, and uh, and obviously when Bitcoin was born as well, uh, it took a lot longer for um, the Jobs Act to actually be signed and, and put into effect. But similarly, it took some time for Bitcoin to take off too. So um, at one point, you know, I remember being at a table at a conference that we were hosting uh, with some of the people who had helped write the legislation on the Jobs Act and some of the earliest investors in Bitcoin. And it was really, really interesting to uh, watch them interact and, and realize that they'd kind of been working towards the same goals and had no idea mm-hmm. about the other. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's for me kind of the moment that I got into crypto is very specific. I uh, went to, I was invited to a rooftop gathering, an event uh, that was hosted by a company that had had a very successful ICO this is a few years ago. And uh, so they they were basically pitching and they said, and this is true, that they had raised over $40 million in under a minute. Uh, and they had to shut off the, the, the acceptance of funding at that point because they didn't want to take too much. And my jaw was pretty much on the floor. Uh, and that was for two reasons. One is that I've been working with all these really worthy companies who've been trying to raise capital online um, through non, from non-accredited investors, from regular people. Uh, and it had just been really challenging. We, we ran into a lot of struggles there. And there are certainly plenty of success stories, but it wasn't easy to do. Um, and certainly that much money in that short of time just was not, I'd never, never, never heard of it. Um, but the other yeah. thing that was also kind of clear about this particular uh, company was that I knew they had to be breaking the law. I was really familiar with the law. Mm. That was one of the reasons that we were, um, you know, that it was hard was we had to make sure that we did things in a specific way and followed specific regulations. Um, and so uh, there was this combination feeling of like, wow, they're doing something right. And also they're doing something wrong. So <laughs> how do we find a way of moving those two things together? And I think that's definitely the kind of goal that Prime Trust occupies uh, right now in this space, which is trying to take the, the sort of usability and functionality and all these new opportunities and make them fit into our existing sort of regulatory understanding or expectation um, that we have you know, as in our government. That's really wonderful, and I, I love that um, that throwback to the 2017 ICO craze. I remember those days uh, very fondly, and I had the same impression of like, oh my god, uh, these companies like how how is this legal? And you know, some people you know did it legally, and some people uh, you know threaded the needle or operated in that gray area. But but it is really interesting. I mean. In, at a high level, like what is the draw or what is the the pull really for raising money in like that that fashion as opposed like a, you know, a non-equity fashion as opposed to, you know, your standard uh, equity? And do you think that we're going to see another, you know, proliferation of these ICOs? Well, I mean, I, I would guess that the term ICO is probably going to be kind of done um, 
I, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of takes on this. And um, I certainly think we're going to see new iterations. Um, and we do, we see that all the time. We, we talk to lots of companies um, that are looking to find ways to make the most of the opportunity there to um, essentially crowdsource and then and also return make returns available for the crowd, which is, again, the spirit of the Jobs Act was to do the same thing. Um, but the crypto world just did it a lot better as far as being able to get more people involved and excited um, and to participate. Um, there are so many people from the traditional side that have jumped in and from the legal side that are working to try and make sure that this is regulated in a way where people don't get burned because that's obviously the important thing, right? Uh, and that's where everybody is trying to thread the needle. Um, and some people have more appetite for risk than others. Uh, we all sort of fall somewhere on that spectrum um, because I think ultimately nobody does this with the hope that they're going to uh, end up in jail, right? And and maybe some people do it with the hope that they're going to just get away with something because they, they think that they can. Um, but I think at least all the people that I work with working at a regulated financial institution, they're really just trying to do it in the, the best uh, way that is um, safe for them and safe for anybody that's investing. One of the questions that I've really been wanting to ask you most of all is, you know, a lot of us out here, we only have like price and market cap as gauges to judge industry growth. But what are you able to see from your vantage point over there? Is crypto healthy and safe? Or are you getting any requests to withdraw big capital as people are getting ready to panic sell in this collapsing economy? Well, you know, we, so we're not, we're not seeing that first. We're not seeing uh, any kind of uh, behavior that's suggesting panic selling right now. I mean, obviously we've seen the uh, you know the crypto world doing better than the, the traditional side of, of the market. What we are seeing right now, especially you know in this kind of really, really strange time with COVID-19 and the markets as they are, is a huge acceleration in investment in our space. So I've been extremely busy because we've got companies that maybe had a number of focuses, including work they're doing on the traditional markets or maybe uh, building in real estate and construction, things like that. And they're saying, okay, now is definitely the time to be investing in what we're doing with blockchain. Um, because uh, the use case for blockchain and finance is so clear and there have been has been so much growth by leaps and bounds that what we're seeing really is more investment in infrastructure right now, which is something we love to see. Yeah, a hundred percent. Ray Dalio, you know, one of the biggest hedge fund managers in the world for Bridgewater just the other day on CNBC said that, uh, you know, his excuse for the, his fund going down is there was nothing really to sell off into. There are no more assets that he felt comfortable you know, moving his stocks and bonds away from. And he quotes unquote said, cash is trash. Think about that. Oh my God. I didn't see that one. You're going to have to send me that link. Yes. <laughs> cash awesome. is trash. Yeah, Ray, Ray Dalio. So, I mean, if that's not the most damning thing, there's nowhere to run. The there's world, nowhere to yeah. Well, guess what, everyone? There is somewhere to run and it's not hiding anymore. Bitcoin is on the tip of everyone's tongue. You know, digital currency is now being featured in bills that are going through the Senate. Uh, if that's not the most bullish sign in the world, I don't know what is. Yet we're finding that a lot of our customers 
their investors are pushing them and talking like, you know, VCs um, and family offices that are actually pushing them to make sure that they're investing, especially right now in, uh, in blockchain technology, because that feels like the right direction going. So we're, we're getting that back from a lot of these companies. And again, that's where uh, we're finding that uh, because we have this, we have API technology that our customers can integrate, and then basically it turns on their ability to do things like open accounts and facilitate trading and things like that. Um, we're just finding that so many of so many companies that maybe were a little bit more branched out are tightening up, and this is a direction that they're seeing as the best place for them to ride out the storm, which is really interesting. Wow! And so when you say um they're investing in blockchain technology. Could you kind of unpack that a little? Are they directly purchasing like crypto assets, holding them for the long term? Are they buying equity in companies that are maybe staking them? Are they buying equity in companies that are uh, developing technology? Like, what does that actually look like? Okay, so well, I can. We're seeing all of those things, um, but I, I guess uh, probably a better way to frame that is to clarify that while we're a trust company, we don't do a ton of retail custody. So most of our direct customers are other businesses that use use our APIs to basically access the ability to open accounts, do the appropriate compliance for those uh, end users. um, And then end users can manage those accounts through the platform. So for example, let's take a large exchange that wants to do business in the US, a crypto exchange. And they want to be able to onboard U.S. customers and and hold U.S. dollar in accounts for their customers so that those customers can use it when they want to, to instantly buy crypto on the exchange. Those users would be coming to that exchange platform, entering in their information to create an account. And the information is going via the APIs to our team, which is then opening the account and then accepting direction from the customer and from the platform on how to move it around. So what we do is we allow the platform, the exchange, to avoid actually touching or controlling the funds, which helps them out in a a lot of regulatory areas. But we're actually not directly interacting with those end users. If they have a customer service question, they're going to their platform. And then if that needs to be elevated to us, it'll be done so internally. So what we're seeing... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. 
Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What I'm seeing directly is, you know, the investment on kind of a institutional level that's being made in this space. And there's a ton of it. On the customer behavior side, we're seeing all kinds of things. Many of our exchange customers have have recorded their their highest trading volumes uh, on record ever in the last couple of weeks. And I think this is really important to note how this has evolved from an exchange perspective and how it affects the end user, though, because for years we've said we cannot trust crypto exchanges. Do not leave your money on exchanges. We've got proof of keys day. But now all of a sudden you have an actual trusted entity like Prime Trust that is actually doing the custodianship and actually holding the funds to where you can say, oh, McKay, maybe I can trust this exchange. I can leave some funds on here. I can use our staking or lending features to actually grow my money or whatever the, whatever options are available. Like That really, really flips the game on its head uh, for people in a good way because now there's a lot of people that aren't comfortable holding their own keys or they lose their phone all the time or they're, they're just you know a, a forgetful kind of person and they say, well, I don't want to get into crypto. I'm going to end up losing my money. I need someone to hold it for me. Now, thanks to what you guys are doing, that's possible for pretty much the first time. Exactly. So if you're working with a company that is that is working with us and you put your money in an account with them, that money is actually held by us. They don't get to take it or lose a key and suddenly it you know it's gone. I mean we can't it, let's um, say we had been the custodian for Mt. Gox, for example, all those funds would have been right where they were with us. And obviously there's still that question. Well, you know, cause I know not your key is not your crypto. Are, are we trustworthy? Right. Um, and I understand where there is always going to be, you know, a question of that, but what's really important to understand is that trust companies in the United States, you can't even have the word trust in your name, like prime trust, unless you're regulated as a trust company, uh, we're regulated uh, and report to the banking authority of Nevada. Um, we have to have this license. We have a whole bunch of things we have to do to assure the authorities that we are uh, responsibly checking into the identities of people whose funds we hold so that you know they're not laundering money um, and also that we're protecting it uh, appropriately. And the buck stops with us. It's very clear. If something happens with your money, we have accepted responsibility for that. And you can hold us accountable legally because right. all of our information is there. Um, so there's this, you know, the, the idea of a trust company, trust companies have been around for a long time. Uh, they, they're in place to solve the question of trust. So if you were back in like the 1940s trying to go to a stock market and you wanted to make a trade, but you didn't want to give, you wanted to, pr- you had to prove that you owned stock, but you didn't want to give it to the person who you were going to trade it with until you got what you were trading you guys would want to use a, a middle custodian to make sure that you had a sense of trust. Uh, and that's, that's kind of where this whole world came from. Um, and I do think that there's a place for it in, in the crypto space. And I know that there's a lot of excitement about, you know, the kind of trustless nature of blockchain. Um, but I do think there's always going to be people, like you said, who don't really want to take responsibility of their own keys or who ultimately want to use a lot of different platforms and don't want to have to trust them all. Love it. Really, really well said. I mean, there's always going to be that trade-off um, when you decide to go custodian or non-custodian. Um, I, I wanted to kind of ask, like, 
so as it like what really is a trust company um but kind of in practical terms like does that mean you guys have insurance like from the fdic like god forbid uh you guys you know were hacked or something and, and lost the customer's funds are the customer's funds insured because of this trust well customer usd is insured under fdic fdic doesn't cover crypto at the moment um maybe at some point it will um, but the way that trust companies operate is trust companies are very, uh, they have a lot of similarities with banks, but they're not banks. So we actually hold all of the funds that, um, like, for example, all the U.S. dollar that we'd be holding, we hold that at our partner banks, and we've got a lot of them. And we hold those funds in our name. And as a licensed trust company, we ha- are allowed to hold funds on behalf of other people. Um, and that's just how trust companies operate. So so we're holding the funds at a bank and those accounts all have FDIC insurance. Um, when it comes to the crypto that we hold, we don't hold that at banks uh, where we hold it in sort of a number of proprietary ways that I can't share the security of which uh, on something like this podcast, but you know, that's held differently because it's a completely new and, and unique type of asset. So we hold that separately the same way that we hold uh, other types of assets that we can hold, like, like stocks and uh, property. And so when it comes to crypto, we do have insurance, but it doesn't fully cover hacking. And that's the case for most, I mean, I think all trust companies right now have some level of insurance, but it, it is not 100% insured. Uh, and users can always have the option, but they need to go to insurance providers. And that tends to become pretty expensive. So I've found that in most cases, the cost of insurance uh, outweighs the desire for many users to actually have it. That's really interesting. So what are the pros and cons of using a custody service like Prime Trust uh, as an end user? I mean, you mentioned not a lot of them have it, but you know, even from a business standpoint, you know, why use Prime Trust as opposed to just a, a, hard, a, cold, a cold wallet? Well, certainly, um, I'd say that the primary pro I think I already mentioned is having somebody who is licensed, regulated, and has ultimate responsibility for those funds, um, you know, contractually obligated to uh, provide security and, and um, custody of the funds. Obviously, the con is whether or not you even feel comfortable with that. You know, there. I think that the main con is you know, that there's the, we are a middleman and many people in the crypto space are just not comfortable with that period. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I feel like uh, at some point, like we, we need to have some people in the middle because we've tried these different decentralized experiments. Smart contracts have been proven to be hackable and unrecoverable and unreliable. So I, I, I think... From an ideal standpoint, it'd be great to operate in a fully trustless environment, but being realistic, we're just not there yet. We're just not. So that's okay because um, we got prime trust in the meantime. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'd agree with you. You know, it's one of those things that, that would be amazing. And, you know, we, we work with a lot of very interesting technology companies that are trying to find answers to that and trying to allow for as much decentralization as possible. And we're open to working together with that. You know, we're obviously not your average trust company. We are very, very interested in being on the cutting edge and finding ways to advance the technology. We, I mean, 
I have no idea what it's going to look like in five years. It's going to change and grow by leaps and bounds. Like I think we really haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg of how this is going to change finance specifically. Um, you know, and that, that being said, for most everyday people, the way that finance works, you know, the financial systems work, don't really apply so much. I mean, you know, the advent of things like credit cards and stuff like that, those become daily use. But when the stock market switches to computers, you know, that doesn't affect most people in ways that they see or, or can recognize. Um, but I think we're going to see just massive shifts in the financial world um, because of this new technology. Um, but I would say that another con actually that I thought of for using a trust um, or a, a qualified custodian is if you're trying to, uh, if you're trying to commit a crime, then you shouldn't work with us because <laughs> we're going to get your identity and we're going to check your background and check your identity off of um, numerous anti-money laundering lists around the world. So um, it's just, and, and then your activity will be tracked. So when you are trying to take advantage of some of the holes in a system that isn't fully developed yet, it's a lot harder when you involve somebody like Prime Trust. Beautiful. Well, we'll keep doing uh, the Lord's work here. Um, a couple more questions here, <laughs> but, or I should say not the Lord, but uh, Satoshi's work. Keep doing Satoshi's work here. A couple more questions before we let you go. You know, these are questions that we like to ask every guest that comes on the show. Um, you know, if this is like really the first podcast that somebody in crypto uh, or somebody who's just now getting into crypto, you know, the first podcast they listen to, what would be a word of advice uh, that you would have for them? Wow. Okay. I would say for somebody just, just getting into this, I'd say you're going to need to take in a lot of information <laughs> if you really want to understand this. Um, there's so many opinions out there. And there are a lot of people who say things as absolute fact, and they're not. So I would say listen to as many cool podcasts as you can, um, right. but also just sort of diversify. <laughs> Plug for you guys. Uh, you know, diversify the ways that you're learning about this and try and take in a lot of different accounts and opinions and uh, and just sort of keep going, going with it. And the other thing I would say, I feel like from my perspective, this is important. Um, get to understand the existing uh, traditional financial processes as well. Like if, mm. if you're trying to learn about um, crypto markets, but you don't know anything about traditional markets, I think that you might kind of be coming at this from without some important knowledge. One thing that I found is that when I was studying for my Series 7 exam, which is a, a broker-dealer agent license, I had to learn all about puts and calls and uh, different types of orders on the stock market. And then I went into my Coinbase account and I was able to actually use that knowledge to place limit orders and things like that. So um, I, I do think that, you know, understanding that a lot of, even though we're, we're creating kind of a whole new world, it's still coming from an old world. And if you don't have any knowledge about the old world, you're, you're going to be coming in a little bit behind. Man, that's really, really a great uh, word of wisdom here. Um, definitely. Um, if you're trying to predict the future, if you're trying to get with the future, you have to be a good historian. Um, you have to understand where we're coming from in order to, you know, prepare for where we're going. So I second that. Um, and then the last question I have for you, um, Kinsey, is besides Prime Trust and besides, you know, any other company that you might have a vested interest in, um, what is one company or project that's really impressing you these days and that you are excited about uh, for 2020? 
Hmm, an impressive company or project. Now I've got to be careful because I don't want to play favorites. <laughs> um, we do, we do so much. Yeah, um, yeah so, something I something think, that you think I is think, pretty cool. Well, one thing, and, and this is sort of directly one of our our customers at at Prime Trust, but one uh, company I think is doing a pretty good job uh, in entering the U.S. market at least um, is Binance. Um, they had to they had to move off um, because of some regulatory concerns, and they were able to get a custodian, Prime Trust, to um, open accounts on behalf of customers via the API, and that's allowed them to operate legitimately in the U.S. And we're seeing a lot of uh, international companies do that, both in the U.S. and in other com- countries. So taking um, the differing sure, jurisdictional laws and trying to be compliant with them. Um, and you know, uh, just because something is... Uh, put in place as a law it doesn't mean it needs to be it doesn't mean it needs to be a hamper on development it can actually sometimes be helpful and it can help legitimize what you're doing and and get people involved that have a lot of credibility and years of experience that could actually really help your industry grow brilliant 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 well thank you so much for your time um what is the url for prime trust oh it's primetrust.com Easy peasy, mm-hmm. guys. If you want to find out more about uh, all this stuff, if you're an institutional uh, trader or investor and you are just finding out about Prime Trust, go ahead, check them out. Uh, feel free to reach out to us and we'll get you uh, in contact. Uh, thank you so much for your time today, Kinsey, and we hope that you uh, stay safe and healthy amidst all this crazy, crazy uh, things that are happening in the world. Thanks, guys. Same to you. Wash your hands and stay at home. <laughs> Absolutely. And for our listeners out there, I know you can be very bored as well. We have a backlog of over 300 episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. So spend some time catching up in the archives. Uh, We've had um, so many amazing guests on over the years. And we'd love for you to reach out to us on Twitter at Crypto101Pod and say hello. Tell us what your favorite episode and your favorite guest is and who we should have on back. Great idea. Until then, we'll see you then. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.